New Photic Realm announcement. Uh, submission windows for upcoming issues. Issue 10, the theme is justice. That's hard-boiled fiction with a supernatural twist. The deadline for that will be April 1st, 2020. Issue 11, the theme is kaiju. Giant monsters terrorizing civilization. Deadline will be October 1st, 2020 for those stories. Issue 12, the theme is lycanthropy, which is, of course, self-explanatory. Um, it can be any type of animorph with a bloody twist. Uh, so I guess that's werewolves and Jesus, giant, I don't know. What do people turn into? Seals? I've just got a little seal on my desk, so I thought of that. I don't know. You have to be more imaginative than I just was. Uh, but the deadline for lycanthropy, January 1st, 2021. Good luck to everyone submitting. I wrote this thing. I hope you like it. Let's talk about it, yeah. Let's lose track. Losing the plot podcast. Losing the plot podcast. Losing the plot podcast. Talking to Leo Today I'm talking to Marshall Riley, who provided us with that excellent new Losing the Plot theme tune. Um, their latest release is a cassette version of Emerald City out with Captain Crook Records. I hope you'll check that out. Always a pleasure to talk to Marshall. Um, if you yourself want to be on the show, or if you've got anything you want to tell me about the show, you can always get in touch with me using losingtheplotpodcast at gmail.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. Uh, but that's all my intro chat, so here is my chat with Marshall. Now I can hear you now. Oh, perfect. <laughs> 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 well, see, now that everyone is indoors, they all have their favorite, like, video messaging app. So everyone's like, can you get on Zoom and then Discord and then Skype? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Zoom's the big one right now. Yeah. It's like, I'm in my 30s. Don't make me learn a new app. What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't gotten to downloading that one, but uh, yeah, a lot of friends are meeting up on that. So it's, yeah, that would be interesting to try. But I, I, uh, I don't know. I get nervous about even like group situations in general. And then having a group situation where you're on a screen is, seems like a lot to me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you just sit and look at yourself? <laughs> you know how it is. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing one, I think it was Discord, and they said, like, oh, if you double click your face, then you become the big one and everyone else gets small. And I was like, all right, see y'all later. <laughs> totally. So, you've been, are you indoors like everyone else at the moment? Yeah. Hunkering down. That's what our governor said. We need to hunker down. It's <laughs> <laughs> cool. Is it going okay? Um. Yeah, we're doing our best out here, trying to stay healthy, and yeah, just uh, doing our best like everyone else. I didn't get the handbook on how to uh, live through a pandemic, so <laughs> we're playing it by ear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how about you? How are you out there? 
Yeah, you're good. I'm I'm working from home. This is my office. This is where I spend all the time. I think, like, as an introvert, I think it's great. Like, um, I would have to. I'm not in an open plan office, so there's not just like people talking over my head all the time, and um, I just get to fire off emails all the time, which is all I wanted to do anyway. You know, <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. the, the number of tasks I put off because I felt guilty that I wasn't going to see the person in person when I could. You know, and I was like, well, if I send an email, that's kind of a dick move because I should just go see them, really. And I'm just like... It's what everyone's doing. It's what everyone's doing, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now I'm having having a pretty good time. But yeah, it's so tempting to, like, make yourself do a bunch of tasks that you would never do now that you're home all the time. Oh, yeah, especially if you're on social media. You see everybody else's um, sort of, like, productive moves and... uh... I don't know. There's a lot of great ideas out there, but also I'm perfectly happy just going my own way. It's what I've always done. So. <laughs> Fair. Um, so, you know, you got any projects on the go at the moment or? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> I have been kind of, insp- well, like I-, I was super inspired to write a song when, um, everything first started going down because all the shows were getting canceled and as an artist and uh just kind of a music lover in general that's uh you know that was weighing on me a lot Um, we were supposed to go see bikini kill like i would have seen them uh mid-march but that obviously didn't happen so Mm. i'm waiting on those uh waiting on that tour to (laughs) start back up or whatever but yeah Mm -hmm. and uh how about your own uh your own music you've written you sent me some new songs recently yeah um let me see harder and um lavender uh yeah laid up in lavender i did that's going to be a collaboration with a friend of mine and then um let's see so uh i can't think of the name of it right now i'm really passionate about my own stuff i can't even think of the names of what's going on um let me think harder, and then uh, whatever that second one was. Yeah, plastic appeal. Plastic appeal. Yeah, I actually. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's my favorite out of those three so far. That was I was intending for those three to be a uh, EP. Like I was gonna. I was fully. I fully planned on getting in the studio and, you know, doing the big thing for those guys again. Um, I, I wanted to kind of have a, I don't know, sort of <laughs> a big, I don't know, like comeback from Emerald Shitty since I haven't done anything since that one. And that was the last studio one. Um, but then, yeah, I just uh, reissued Emerald, Emerald Shitty on a cassette through Captain Crook. So that was um, a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. How did you set up the, the studio thing? How did that all happen? Um, that's a, a friend of ours, Verse Omega. He uh, has a studio called The Shack. It's like a home studio, mm-hmm. um, really cool setup. And he did a really good job on that. He just basically, I don't know, he was really cool about understanding. Like I had a set vision because I know exactly how I want my music to sound. Um, and then my uh, friend at the time that was drumming for me, um, yeah, it was just me and him, and we got in there as a duo, like the White Stripes. <laughs> <laughs> how do you, 
how is it that you know exactly how your music should sound? Is it in terms of the instruments? Is it in terms of like pedals that you use or something? Or I don't. Yeah, I don't really use. I mean, I don't even have any pedals. I just um, I know that I enjoy when I listen to music. I enjoy kind of like a edgier, grungier kind of sound. I've always, you know, grunge is. We've talked about that before. The huge influence. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that that just finds its way back into my uh, into my sound all the time. I can't really get away from it, even if I wanted to. So. <laughs> you're at the moment. You're posting like a bunch of uh, your favorite albums. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm just one of those crazy uh, little challenges that yeah are going around. I didn't really feel like filling out all the surveys and all the ones that people are doing. That's the kind of, I don't know, <clears throat> I, I, I don't feel like revisiting the live journal days so much. <laughs> <laughs> there are people who just like tag five friends, you're like, don't remind me how difficult it is yeah. for me to think of five no, friends. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, and I'm not going to. I, <laughs> it's bad enough that I feel forced to, uh, yeah, I don't know, do uh, however many questions, 45 question survey. Um, that I'm not getting paid for. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. But the the favorite records is cool because I get to kind of look back on, I mean, they're records that have influenced your taste in music now. And I thought that was a cool way of kind of phrasing that, like music that you grew up on or whatever. It, it makes you think of the music that you listen now in a different, listen to now in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like the music you listen to when you're younger, like up until a teenager, is like formative, right? Do you find that you have like, less influences now, less new influences? Oh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, you might be right. I like the first one that I posted had to be placebo because that's you know one of the big ones for me. Mm-hmm. And then uh, so black market black market music was the first album that I picked up from them um so that one had to that one had to be in there and the last one I posted was the Foxfire soundtrack that uh I think it's like 1995 or 94 uh Angelina Jolie flick where she's like the badass chick she comes in with a gun and she's like she rounds up those girls and they all kind of take over the world and everything or at least the you know that uh that was filmed in Portland so that was filmed in uh, the Pacific Northwest I think I think it was Portland, um, but there's uh, a lot of bands on that that I still listen to, like Kristen Hirsch from uh, Throwing Muses is on there. Um, Rose Chronicles um, is a huge one. The Christy Christy Thirst from that band did a lot of um, work with Delirium, and Delirium is still a huge, just I, I mean, if, if not an influence, just good for just putting on um, in the background. So yeah. Um, and then, uh, let me think, you've got like some, uh, grunge standbys like Candlebox and, uh, Mystery Machine. So yeah, great stuff. That was it. I think soundtracks are really great for that challenge because of all the influences they pull together. That's a good point. Um, and there's so much like of a year. It's always like the be- the greatest hits of that year or the coolest songs of that era or whatever. 
Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Or at least, uh, I don't know, just, um, <clears throat> yeah, like uh, different bands of of an ilk that uh, suit the tone of that uh, movie or whatever it is. Uh, the Breakfast Club soundtrack was another one I was thinking of. I might have to post that one, too. The Breakfast Club soundtrack was pretty influential. That's a good one. Um <laughs> Yeah, I'm guessing the latest thing that you've recorded was that losing the plot uh, redo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you? Do you record? <laughs> do you record it at home or how do you do it? Uh huh. Yeah? yeah, in my bedroom. That's awesome. Yeah. Not not much has changed here. I uh, <clears throat> yeah, losing the plot. Uh, new theme song. Um, and then the. I mean, I I wanted it to kind of have this carry the same. Um, tone, but you know, just update it for you. And then um, sick pay I did before that. So yeah, those are. I guess I don't. I do not want to call them the COVID singles, but I'm just like in my head, I just think of them as the COVID singles because it's like, yeah, it's why I'm doing it right now. Um, mm. The themes and stuff that have come up in those are come straight from having to be stuck at home. So. <laughs> you can call it going viral or something. Else later, I don't know. <laughs> You're a good person to read. <laughs> totally. I'm a published author. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> hey, and I just remembered you did that amazing uh, voiceover for the short film. Oh, thanks. Yeah, thanks for letting me do that. That was a lot of fun. I, I, like I said, um, a few interviews ago or whatever, I, I had done. Um, stage work and stuff and for a while that was really you know a lot of fun for me but honestly I'm just an expressive person so being able to yeah kind of like um, yeah have that exercise was uh, really cool I appreciate that no I I really appreciate it too I think you did a great job because I think it was like um, I was going for like a John Waters hyperbolic thing and I think you really nailed that (laughs) Yeah, oh my gosh, when when you're reading the review, I was, uh, yeah, pretty proud of us both. That was really <laughs> just, I don't know, your facial expressions and everything, it, it, uh, it all fit together. It was a lot of fun. It was it was an iconic moment for, for Stavanger in Norway. <laughs> <laughs> that much. Yeah. yeah, it was cool. Okay, so yeah, and you're still singing with friends. You're going to do some... Yeah, well, not now, but yeah, <laughs> I'm. I definitely have those plans for sure. Mm-hmm. Um. So, you, but you mentioned that your sound is changing a little bit, and like, in what ways is it changing? Um. Well, for sick pay, I how I had it in my head was trying to trying to get away from. I mean, not necessarily get away from, but go beyond like the I in a lot of ways I emulate Brian Molko nowadays with my vocals um so kind of getting away from that um and doing something a little bit different with that so my my inspiration for sick pay vocally was uh Chris Cornell but I'm not trying to copy these people but um I you know a lot of being a singer is you know pushing your um yeah pushing your your voice to new places and i 
I, I don't want to say I got sick of like emulating Brian Mulco, but I definitely don't just want to do that. And I don't just want to be known for, if I'm known for anything, <laughs> I don't just want to be known for that. Yeah. So they're like jumping off points for you or something. These different yeah, musicians. For sure. Okay. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. And you're still doing stuff with uh, Captain Crook Records. Will you stick with them? Yeah, that was fun. Uh, they needed a March release, and um, it had, we we'd kind of talked about doing a physical release for Emerald Shitty for a while. So we finally just did, yeah, we finally just did it. And um, so that was their, <clears throat> their last release of the month, um, right at the end of the month. So, um, yeah, uh, I just aside from working with a great um, homegrown company, um, in the Pacific Northwest, especially, I uh, just love them as people. Um, Slade and Whitney are just uh, amazing, um, yeah, friends, great friends and great people to work with. So. Mm. Uh, anything, I don't know, anything that serves them and serves me is uh, um, pretty essential to not only are growing as people but are growing <clears throat> growing our i don't know brands if you will and everything um i think it just fits perfectly uh a home <clears throat> recording artist you know um grouping with a, a homegrown record label um yeah so yeah for sure no i mean we've spoken before about what you see is like the indie art revolution and I th i'm totally mm -hmm. I've totally come around yeah. to to that now. I think um, it's just so much more interesting to to uh, I don't know just find random people who are inspired and in making their own stuff. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh, it's so much more rewarding. I just hmm. a lot of what Plastic Appeal was about was just I'm getting so sick of hearing what everyone else is listening to on the radio it's bunk it's just utter bullshit i i don't know people are you know on one hand you have the people saying it's not about the money forget about the price tag and then you have people talking about fucking fendi coats and cheating on your you know significant other and it's if this is what we're talking about i i there's more to it than that for me as an artist mm -hmm. um uh, indie artists are expressing something that's untouchable in the mainstream um the the inner workings of our of our brains and our hearts and of uh lives that don't get talked about just for the fact of it doesn't sell <laughs> you know yeah definitely and you're not um i don't know i mean i think i think before i used to be mistaken in thinking that like if i wasn't if I wasn't selling or if I wasn't getting published in big places, then I must be doing something wrong. Um, but it's it's almost the opposite now. I don't know. Yeah, I just, we're, individually, I think we're, individually and together, I think we're stronger as indie artists than, I, I just think we'll have more longevity. I, yeah, I really believe that. Mm-hmm. I was talking. Uh, I was talking to someone recently about uh, the success of that film, Uncut Gems. Have you seen it? 
No, I haven't seen that. Well, thing is, like, everyone was going wild about it and how, like, uh, how um, original it was, and it is very different in terms of like the soundtrack and the the way the camera is used and and what the topic is and just I don't know the the, the actors and everything. Um, but there's no way you would even get close to developing a style like that if you decided that you were going to follow the rules from the very beginning. Um, mm. So I'm just I'm totally against the notion of like any rules at all. Uh, and so when anyone points out something I've done wrong, I'm like I don't I don't think I did anything wrong. Actually, I think I just did. <laughs> right. Well, I honestly, Leo, seriously, if you're gonna have a gay character, they need to have suits up. <laughs> they need to, we need to know why you can't know why. just include uh, homosexual characters yeah that was wild wasn't it oh my god <laughs> i'd forgotten about that Do you know i was i was trying to exercise the trauma of, of of receiving that email by putting it in a video i don't think it worked frankly <laughs> i think it can be done um fascinating fascinating the way people respond to things so you can't you can't um you can't predict that you can't do anything about it but i think that um I remember for you, it was like a big turning point from the second album. So there was Burger, then there was Bummer, then there was Mars Hall. And Mm -hmm. between Bummer and Mars Hall, something happened where like you seemed to really enjoy making Mars Hall, but Bummer was an ordeal. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I said, Mars Hall or um, Bummer was a big source of anxiety for me. I kind of felt like I just needed to get something out and I didn't really know the direction that that was going to go. And of course I'm still fine with the final product, but the thing with Mars Hall was that that was something that I always kind of wanted to get out. And I knew that that was something, I don't know. I knew it was a fully formed concept already. Mm Mm-hmm as opposed to just being something that I felt like I had to get out, but didn't know the direction I was going. Mm-hmm. Cause I think, um, I'm trying to explain it. Like, I, I mean, I, I've talked to so many p- different types of artists now, and I think it's the same thing as like, you go through a period of just, I don't know if it's what you went through, but I know many people who like, they're, they're desperately trying to please an imagined audience and imagined you know manager studio publisher oh, yeah. whatever it is and then you kind of you push beyond that and then you go i'm just going to write in my case it's like i'm just going to write whatever the hell i want and have a great time doing it and then like the writing quality gets way better you have a better time doing it you your output goes higher like everything everything you wanted to do or everything you were like bullying out of yourself before just gets better when you when you deliberately go in a direction of only enjoying what you do you know yeah that sense? yeah no for sure mm-hmm. and that's and it also speaks to your experience because the more that you're able to do that the better and better your work becomes yeah absolutely i think that like, the more uh, the more uh satisfied you are with it as well yes yeah absolutely and i think um do you think it's like from school that you're kind of trained to think that like something must be grueling for you to be doing it properly that's where I think it oh, comes from. Oh, for sure. Oh my gosh. Mm. Yeah, blood, sweat, and tears all the way. And while that's, I mean, to a certain degree, of course, I can't deny that, or, mm-hmm. you know, test that theory um, from a, the opposite 
side, I, I have, there's gotta be some point where you are truly having just a great time. I mean, also, I, yeah, I, I, I I don't think it's just the, yeah, the grueling work, uh, sure, like, uh, I mean, that's what life, you know, entails, but you, you have to, you have to enjoy it on some level, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, the argument, I guess, is sort of like, you know, adulthoods, large pockets of adulthood are like kind of dull and a lot of hard work. And it's like, okay, but there's there's no need for me to reflect to that or add to that. There's no need for me to be like yeah. dull or like stern. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, seriously. I mean, like, that's fine if you just want to have so much notoriety but be a, you know, hugely unhappy person yeah i don't i don't that's not that's not for me (laughs) no me neither me neither and i think that like every um it doesn't matter how much you know if people can't stand to be in the room with you you know i would rather work (laughs) like i would rather work with somebody who doesn't know as much but like is it like anyone can learn but like being a nice person that's like if oh, that's yeah. like there's no step one to give you know. everyone grief if what you want for the final product is gold to you then i just yeah no you've got to have the i don't know sort of like the genuine like wholesome um enjoyment of it yeah have you have you always known that I don't, I don't think I had a concept of that going into making music particularly. I, uh, I, I knew that I had a song in my heart to get out, but understanding that everything I've done right now has led up to how I make m- my art. Um, you can't really trade that. Uh, understanding that I, coming from a place of um, pure, uh, yeah, like purity with it, um, of that pure enjoyment or that pure whatever, you know, whatever feeling that is, you can't, you can't re- replace that and you can't, uh, copy that like that that's you've got to have that yeah i don't know i don't think that i uh necessarily had a concept of that when i started no but uh it's i wouldn't trade that for anything Hmm. that uh that wisdom of course like i think when you start a new skill that like the vulnerability of starting a new skill makes you really uh I don't know, like open to suggestibility about how it has to be done, you know? Oh, for sure. Oh Mm. yeah. Oh my gosh. Definitely. Nail on the head. (laughs) Um, Do you think it's also something to do with the, like the role of how, of being a man? Something about the, I'm just trying to reflect on what I see, at least with the other creatives that I've worked with now, um, that they, they, they seem to be performing a part, you know? 
of the stern guy who knows lots of things and is going to put everyone else in their oh. place. Yeah, perhaps if they're trying to fit, yeah, somebody's shoes or trying to, yeah, like kind of like cookie cutter, like emulate um, that type of artist. Mm -hmm. um, I just don't, <clears throat> the thing with me with gender is um, I'm still kind of exploring that with myself uh, because I've had to kind of like face some pretty important truths um, with myself the past uh, the past year, but the past couple of years. Um, but I, what I'm trying to understand more about myself is that I don't necessarily feel like I need to call myself a male or um, I don't know. It's <clears throat> understanding that that um, my gender identity kind of is outside of that polarity of male and female um, a lot of the time. And sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes I feel like a guy. Um, but having to having to fit a gender role <clears throat> at this point in my life um, feels completely useless and not at all on the road I am on. Hmm. It, it was something I wanted to ask you about, because I, I know it's something you've been thinking about. What, what made you start thinking about it in a different way? Um, well, I had, this is, uh, I want to say like five years ago now, um, I think my partner had seen some interview with, uh, I think it was Pandora Box from RuPaul's Drag Race, mm -hmm. that, uh, they said once they understood that there was, or once they heard that there was a concept or, you know, that somebody had shined a light on this um, term non-binary and they said, I finally, I finally, un or I finally understood like that that was me just kind of it, the light bulb went off and it clicked, like, that that was them. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, when I heard that, it was like that light bulb went off for me. Like, I've always, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like a guy sometimes, but I also don't ever at all. Um, and I'm definitely not a female. So is you know, it's it's not that I don't feel like anything. It's that I feel like something beyond. I feel like I feel like my my identity goes beyond. Yeah, that um, those standards. Hmm. No, I mean, I'm I'm always interested to to hear people describe what it feels like to to explore that kind of thing because it's not something I know very much about. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure it must be very difficult to try and explain to somebody who doesn't know what oh, it feels yeah. like. Yeah. No, I, I'm still, I mean, I'm still learning. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't, you know, but uh, as, as far as I understand um, non-binary and gender non-conforming, that's the best description. I mean, that's the best way I can describe how I feel. Mm -hmm. So um yeah i'm exploring that and uh i'm still on that 
journey. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I mean, you've always been like a huge, like hugely encouraging of the people that you care about. I've always noticed that about you since we were first in contact. But I think it's taken me a while to get there as well, and just be like, hey, you think that's really important, and that worked out for you. Well, good for you. Great. You know, <laughs> you're winning. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you value that and that happened for you, you know, but in a completely non-competitive sense, I'm not ever just like, you value that thing and like, should I value that thing? Should I have a bigger one than you? It's like, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care at all. Um, so I don't know. I've never been, have you ever been competitive in any kind of way? Um... It's taken me a while to get there, I think. In a lot of ways, I am. But sometimes I'm just like, overall, I would just say, like, competition is not that important to me because I value, like, my own uh, livelihood, I guess, uh, enough to not kind of, like, fuck around with anyone else's, honestly. Yeah. Um, I think I think the interesting thing for me having now that I've spoken to so many writers and so on, or, or just people in general, it's like when you hear that they're competitive, it just tells you what motivates them, not necessarily how much they're winning, how successful they are, just how they orient themselves towards completing tasks and stuff. So <laughs> I used to think there was something wrong with me because I wasn't competitive because it meant I wasn't going to win if I didn't care about winning. But mm-hmm. it's not really true. It just, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, well, I also see that as um, sort of like goes hand in hand with comparing yourself to others, which I'm not really that interested in. Hmm. Yeah. I, it's, and it's it's not like I don't go through that and I don't struggle with that, but anytime I do, I just kind of think why, why even why even bother like comparing myself to others? Um, yeah, it's a uh, it's an inward um, struggle for sure. Hmm. So, uh, previously we talked, I mean, we always talk about Naomi Watts. <laughs> <laughs> How did I know she was good? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but that's why. It, 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 you're happy to tell me any Naomi news you have, but I actually wanted your opinion on three different celebrities. Uh, Laura Dern. Oh, Laura Dern, brilliant. Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, if, if anybody, yeah, just the same as Naomi Watts, if anybody has anything bad to say about those people, I, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't deal. How could you possibly? <laughs> and I'm so glad that like, the world has figured that out because for whatever reason, she's having this massive renaissance in the last years and she's Yeah, she everything. really is. Yeah. It's kind of hard not to think of her in, um, what was the one where she was really young? Uh... Oh, The Fabulous Stains. Ladies and gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains. It was her and Diane Lane, I believe. Okay. Yeah, and she was, I think, what, she was like 14 or 15 when she did that film. Okay, I uh, thought you were going to say Blue yeah. Velvet. Oh, Blue Velvet, of course. Yeah, classic. Mm-hmm. But I mean, mm-hmm. uh, after having seen Fabulous Stains, um, kind of like, I still, I don't know, see that, you know, the glam makeup and the you know, bratty, like, 15-year-old punk girl. I don't know. It's cool. She's come a long way. <laughs> uh, did you see Marriage Story? 
Laura Dern is in it, and she's great. Very cool. Awesome. <laughs> I'll have to check out some clips from that. <laughs> so that's why I brought it up. Uh, Reese Witherspoon. Reese. Uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't really thought about her. I, she's, uh, yeah, I don't know, Legally Blonde. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Of course, one that I always used to watch just literally every day was uh, Cruel Intentions. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With, uh, Which has placebo on the soundtrack, so. Uh, is that the Don't one where figure. Sarah Michelle Gellar has this massive cross necklace that she does yeah. coke out? Cocaine. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jonathan Van Ness. Um, that from... is the queer eye for the straight guy. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, I, he's a big personality. Um, I'm, I'm happy. He's enjoying a lot of success too right now. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He's. It's interesting because a lot of uh, he's become kind of a siphon for uh. Um, like areas of uh our culture like uh queer culture and um yeah people are definitely like kind of looking to him as a beacon for uh yeah our culture and i i as far as i can tell i don't really have a problem with that he's a yeah definitely just um he seems to bring a lot of joy to a lot of people so that's yeah cool is there anyone (laughs) Anyone else like in the culture that you're specifically following at the moment, or in uh, like queer culture, or just like I don't um, know, like celebrities or anything? Oh gosh, I don't know. I'm gonna have to say no. <laughs> Probably not. I, uh, I I still have my standbys like Kate Bush and everything, so I'm still you know trapped in that uh that uh era, I guess. Kate Bush though, what a legend! Like that, I watched Wuthering Heights again recently. What the hell is that? That's insane. Yeah, (laughs) she was like number one in the UK, and she was like seventeen, eighteen, or something. Seventeen, yeah, when she started. Uh huh. Total icon. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You reading anything good lately? Um, a lot of metaphysical books (laughs) i picked up a lot of like books on witchcraft and stuff i'm just kind of like looking through those and um i just read yeah i don't know lacquers was phenomenal because i just got the new flesh thank you thank you yeah well done yeah for sure what a uh, just a solid piece yeah way to go Cheers, I really appreciate it. I worked so hard on that one for a really long time because I loved, um, I really wanted to be in that book and I love what Weird Punk do. Um, and yeah, have it you, was... Did you, have, was, was Lacker's already a story in your head or did you hear about the Cronenberg tribute and say I wanted to add to that or what? Yeah, 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 it was that. I heard that it was, I talked to Sam Richards, like in, I think... November, December 2018 or something. And that's when he told me it was coming out. And I was like, all right, cool. I read the submission call. And then this is how I get stories. As I said, I just said to my subconscious, like, I would like a story for this, please. 
And then I just like went about my business. And then about a month later it went, um, orgy clubs for disfigured people. And I was like, all right, cool. I'll write that. <laughs> and that's how I got the idea. <laughs> I just sitting reading and then it was like, I, I got it, by the way, I got it for you, Leo's. And I was like, all right, okay, cool. I'll start there. And I just kind of started there. And then I thought about, um, just what kind of happens to groups that meet around extreme ideas or anything is that they start to eat their own in a way. Um, Mm-hmm. And also the notion that like if okay, we're lovable because we're imperfect, but it doesn't does that mean that like the more imperfect you are, the more lovable you are? Um, you know, it's I don't know the answers to these oh. questions. Mm-hmm. So I just thought I would frame it that way, and also that way that other people can can manipulate you into saying like that you you have you know you lack something that you didn't notice that you lacked, and they have the cure for you, and like they they were the only ones kind enough to point it out to you. A bit like this kind of. Maybe that's like what the incel culture thing is doing is like you don't understand you're not going to get a girlfriend because your nose is like the wrong shape and <laughs> like life is against you. And that's obviously nonsense, but it gets in people's heads. So and I think we're all Well yeah, no, for sure, as a cult will do if they you know, it speaks to that part of you where you're you don't have a chance in regular life unless you kind of wake up that part of yourself to be yeah i i don't know the, yeah for sure <laughs> i don't know what i was getting at with that but yeah that makes total sense the thing i loved about lacquers is just i don't know as with anything that you write it's there's so much soul to it i really appreciate that yeah it's um yeah i definitely make sure that anything i write is really meaningful to me and then no no i definitely don't feel like I used to feel like, oh my God, I write it, it's meaningful to me, but then like it won't get published by a big publisher. And I used to think, should I, should I, you know, I just used to feel bad about myself. Like, oh no, I wish I was the kind of person who's like the shape of my meaningful things was also commercial. But mm-hmm. now I don't care. My last story, I'm so proud of it. It was about like, I was trying to ask whether or not Marina Abramovich would like download her consciousness into a computer if given the chance. And so that's what the whole story was about. Um, this is what? Grief? No, 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 no. It's just a story I wrote recently. No. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Awesome. And I was just like, if you don't, if you don't care, if you don't care about the answer to that question, you're not going to enjoy the story. But also, I really wanted to know. So I was like <laughs> reading her memoir and everything and trying to find like all kinds of evidence. Like, would she do it? Would she not? And I don't know the answer, but I was just like, would you think, guys, do you think she would... Download her consciousness. Do you think Marina Abramovich would do it? <laughs> I've just gone full, like, fully into my own interests, and it feels great, you know? <laughs> that's awesome. Well, that's what, that's, yeah, that's why um, your work resonates with people. And even, I don't know, why people are interested as um, you're exploring uh, concepts that, yeah haven't been explored and mm. that's what makes your mind so uh um cool and different yeah i really appreciate the feedback um i don't uh, as a an engineer working in norway i don't often hear it so it's nice to hear something <laughs> mostly just go For you're sure. you forgot to give feedback on that process data sheet and i'm like no okay cheers that's why <laughs> sorry Sorry, I was late. <laughs> I'm giving my feedback. 
but the pressures and temperatures are acceptable. It's fine by me. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's always, always a treat to talk to you. Um, you too, Leah. Glad you're doing great. Glad, glad the music is still rewarding. Looking forward to hearing what you Thank do next. You. Really appreciate the new losing the plot theme. Love the way that turned out. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we keep in touch as always. Hell yeah. All right. Have a yeah. lovely, lovely Tuesday. You too. Thanks a lot, Leo. <laughs> right, bye for now. Bye. So that was Marshall Riley. I hope you'll check out their work with uh, Captain Crook Records. And it sounds like they have lots more uh, coming up soon. Um, if you are a reader, writer, editor, listener, whatever, some type of creative, or you've got something you want to tell me about the show, you can always do so uh, by using losingtheplotpodcast at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. But that's all from me for now. So until next time, bye bye.